Hello, everybody. Crypto traders around the world. We're back with another episode of Crypto Talk Radio, found at CryptoTalkRadio.net, a.k.a. Basic Cryptonomics. Thank you for joining here today. My name is Leister. I'm your host. We've got a couple topics I want to go through. First, let's get the particulars out of the way, and then we'll jump right into this. Once again, that site is CryptoTalkRadio.net. That's where you're going to find all of our past, present, and future podcast episodes. The podcast is on all major podcasting platforms as well. Feel free to check that out. Let us know what you think. Link at the top says contact. Click that. Fill out the form. Come straight in. We read each and every one of those. We appreciate hearing feedback from our listeners, whether you're a subscriber or not. We would appreciate your subscription if you're a first-time listener. We again welcome you here. We think you're going to find it's completely different from any other crypto podcast that's out there. And hopefully you get great enrichment to the point that you feel like you want to spread the word out there. The last thing I'll call out is our triad membership. The triad is where we are trying to build a community of serious investors, not the kids that say the word Jeet and say the word Keck and can't half read. We're talking serious investors that believe there's something to this cryptocurrency thing and they want to talk to other grown adults, other serious people. Get away from the toxicity. Check it out on the site. Click on triad. It'll tell you about our different tiers for joining the full on triad. If you still have questions, you can join us in our discord channel. CryptoTalkRadio.net slash Discord will take you straight there. And anybody will be happy to answer any questions you may have. Given that, let's go ahead and jump right into our content for today's episode. Well, looks like that the FTX fiasco has finally died down. I am thrilled about that. I'm thrilled to hear it. I'm, I got sick of it. It was getting on my nerves and I'm happy to see we're finally at a stable point. Common sense and sanity has reigned supreme and we seem to be back to normal, ladies and gentlemen. And I, I am thrilled. I'm thrilled because I was tired of hearing about FTX stuff. It's still going on, but it's no longer dominating the airwaves. So today's episode will focus on a variety of things, which I'm happy. Hercules, Hercules. So Real quick, let me give an internal update. I tried to buy a car today and I went through Carvana and I went through the whole process online and it finally got through and all the way to the end. It took the application, did all this stuff. And it was like, okay, you got to pay a down payment. No problem. I got the cash. And it said, you got to do the down payment by December 3rd. Okay, no problem. And we ideally want a cashier's check. Okay, well, I have to request that from the bank. It has to be mailed to me overnight. So not a problem. December 3rd, I can do. Okay, I wait a little bit, go back in, and then it wants me to get the freaking money to them tomorrow at 4 p.m. And that's not going to work for me, brother, for numerous reasons. It's like, that's it's not reasonable. It's not fair. So I called them, and I'm like, well, wait a minute. You told me that just to screen the application, full screen, it's basically like a tentative approval, to full screen the application is going to take you one to two days. So if you're asking one to two days to be approved, we're talking about Thanksgiving on the 24th. So that's not, you know, by the time it gets done, it's going to be passed up. You want me to pay money before the thing's approved with the risk that you could deny it. And then I have to wait because if you didn't know, when you send money to a car dealer or to a bank, doesn't matter, for a loan, they can hold it and then they'll wait because they ship it from a out processor so it'll take like 30 to 90 days to get your money back. You might send it to them over two days. It takes them, they'll hold it forever. Screw that, because it's a lot of money. So I was like, no, wait a minute. I need to know that the application's approved. It's done. You're not going to deny it. It's all clean before I send you a dime. 
this lady's like, well, you need to talk to this other department and I'm not them and they're not available. Deep, deep, deep. So I'm like, all right, screw you guys. And I cancel the app. So then I call the other dealer and this dealer, they had a car. It wasn't exactly what I want, but I can deal with it for what I could do. And it's low enough. I could just pay cash outright. So then, okay, screw the application, screw the screening, screw the delays. We'll just, I'll pay you cash and get it done. All I need to make sure is that they take a wire, wire transfer because that's fast. I can just go to the bank, do a wire, and we're done. In this case, the money where I would get it from, that bank, it's hard to do wires because they have a manual setup process. But I could just ACH the money over to my primary bank, which has money but not enough. So I could ACH over there and then wire from that bank because that bank kicks ass. So, all right, fine. I got, I got a plan. I just had to confirm you'll take a wire transfer. We're good to go. Yes, we take a wire or cash or cashier's check. Great. So at worst, I could do the cashier's check, get that overnighted to me, and then go and get it done. Great. All right, let's go ahead and do it. Well, I looked. I didn't see it on the lot. Deep, deep, deep. I'm like, well, wait a minute. You, t I see it on the freaking site. It's on this site over here that I found it, and it's on your own website saying it's available. Huh. Well, I didn't see it. Let me go take a look out here. I'll let you know. Deep, deep. Like, I, when I talk about the apartments and how frustrating it is just on the apartment side, and the car, it, it's – it's like incrementally better. I can't find If you're going to advertise a car for sale, ready to go, here it is. I can buy it outright. We're good to go. And you don't even know that you actually do or don't have it. Now, mind you, this is a small lot. It doesn't have like thousands of cars or anything. It's a small lot. So it's kind of hard. And this car is kind of hard to miss, you know. So now I'm in the spin cycle waiting on these jokers to get back to me to tell me if the car's there or not. So then he's like, as many dealers do, well, we don't, because I had this happen back in 98. Well, we don't have that exact one, but we got a different one of that same. I'm like, no, I want a hybrid because I like hybrids. I don't want an electric and I don't want gas. I want a hybrid because hybrid's where we should be. So that's the only hybrid they have left, which means if they don't have it, I have to go to another dealer because I want a hybrid. And since Carvana is a bunch of incompetent idiots, I'm not going with them either. CarMax are a bunch of crooks. I'm not going with them either. So now I'm kind of realizing, you know what? I'm just going to have to bite the bullet and go down to one of these freaking dealerships and just get it done because I can't. They're online. They, they're not keeping up. And I, it doesn't surprise me that many of them are shutting down. So now I got money coming hand over fist and can't find this to spend on <laughs> that I want to spend is either an apartment. I can prepay the whole freaking rent for a year. Can't do that. Buy a car. I can finance it. No problem. I don't care about the down. Can't do that. Buy a car, pay the cash outright, can't freaking do that. So these large ones where I'm actually ready to spend money, can't do that. And oh, by the way, there was a house I was going to buy. And I've got the 20% down. It's ready to go. It's a nice house. It's in where I need to be. Can't, he doesn't contact me back. So the moment I'm ready to spend thousands and thousands of dollars on something, none of these jokers show up. And this is my frustration with society. Anyway, let's get into some cryptocurrency, shall we? So FTX, like I said, has died down a little bit. It's still there. Please don't misunderstand me. I'm simply saying it's died down and I'm happy to see it's died down. I'm cheering over that business because it was getting on my nerves, but it seems like we're in a better spot now. And let's go through and do some brief updates. We'll start with our Ethereum and Bitcoin. And of course, people are seeing some green and they're saying, you know what? Leicester got that wrong. Hey, if you are a gambler, 
right? And you're going to look at the pumps, the those tiny pumps that we're seeing, and you're going to just go after it and call me wrong. Great. I celebrate you. I respect you. I support your decision. I am maintaining what I said to be the truth, which was, I believe December is going to be brutal. I believe what's happening with this brief pump we're seeing is that there's some very rich people who are trying to push up. They're trying to hold the line. They're trying to get somewhat of a run. And I believe it won't work. And the reason I believe it won't work, let's take Ethereum as an example. Ethereum, it's 24 hour low is 1,074 and 53 cents. So if it's 24 hour low, got very close to the $1,000 mark, right? And so then it's high is 1,144. We're currently 1,130. That tells me it's going right on back down where it was. And a lot of this came from Bitcoin, by the way. We knew there was going to be some Bitcoin transactions buying a Bitcoin because of what happened for FTX, where there was dump of Ethereum and then buy-in of Bitcoin. However, if you were to look at Bitcoin's graph and look at the one-day graph, Bitcoin's 24-hour low was 15,600. It's currently 16,15, high of 16,270. Again, $100 difference on both these tokens. What does that tell me? Tells me that Bitcoin is largely the reason that Ethereum had any sort of pump whatsoever. But if you look at Ethereum's graph, you're going to see that, that Bitcoin is still under the bottom resistance and somewhat, not greatly, but somewhat trending down. I'm going to maintain what I said, and we'll see if I get it right or wrong. And if I do get it right, just come back and give my credit, because I believe December is going to be brutal for a cryptocurrency in general, not anyone specifically, I just believe, and it's just based on the chart movements I see. I think that this is a temporary thing that's going to pass. I believe December, you're going to see some hurt, some real pain. I believe Q1, you're going to see some real pain. I believe mid-2023, you're going to see some pain. I believe we're not going to really come out of this pain until well past 2023. Everybody on YouTube or whoever else can call me a nutcase all we care to. Let's just let time pass and see if I get it right. Maybe I get it wrong. I'm just going off what I see here. I am starting to see people make the similar prediction that Bitcoin is due to go at least to 10,000. I say it goes beneath 10,000. <laughs> you know, I see decline. Like I'm looking straight at it and I'm like, I see decline. We have not answered the question, how the frick that Bitcoin went and dropped over half in two months. And with that velocity, to me, that tells me that it's likely going to go even faster downward before it goes up. Now, what are some mitigating factors to that statement I just said? Mitigating factor number one is strong buy pressure. We know this. We have to have that from the Asian markets. We have to have that from the traditional markets. We have to get the United States government to stop making statements that freak out cryptocurrency. One thing that we did here recently is an acknowledgement that Bitcoin is arguably a commodity, not a security. That means that for the most part, it's already, even though it's not regulated, quote unquote, it's already under at least some lighter levels of scrutiny than security under SEC. Doesn't mean it's not under scrutiny. It's certainly under scrutiny, but we don't see the same level of significant loss on the Bitcoin side to a short degree like we see with some of the garbage tokens out there, right? You can get into something. Let's take Libero. I like to pick on Libero. Libero launched in February. February, it has major pumps, goes all the way to a penny, crashes way beneath its pre-sale in just a matter of months. So in a fraction of the time that Bitcoin's been around, this token essentially went to near nothing and then below nothing. And Bitcoin doesn't have anywhere near that level of, you know, volatility to it. 
So it's a somewhat, quote, safer asset to that degree. But Bitcoin, we have to recognize the populations of people we're dealing with here. If you never were in Bitcoin, and when I say in Bitcoin, everybody's held at least a little bit Bitcoin for whatever reason, right? But I'm talking to the point where you held one or more Bitcoin, one whole Bitcoin or more. If you were never at that degree of holding to you, this might seem like a great opportunity to finally get into significant amounts of Bitcoin. And I celebrate you if you choose to do it. If you were in Bitcoin and you were, you're now kind of skittish because you don't know what's going on with the market, you're feeling the pain by far. Because remember, Bitcoin went as high as $68,000. So you're feeling the pain for sure. But if you believe in it long term, many have already estimated that Bitcoin should recoup back to six figures. So in other words, higher than where it got. It's just that it's going to take longer to do it at this point because of what's going on. So it's not that we think, certain of us think that Bitcoin's dead or Ethereum's dead or any of that kind of stuff. Simply that 2023 feels like a very painful period for people. And it depends on your level of tolerance for that pain. Some people simply can't hang it. Some people simply cannot mentally process the level of crap out that we're seeing. And I say to those people, and if you're one of them, please listen when I say this. Please do not let this crypto thing get to you to the degree that you are tempted to do something drastic. Make sure you're not throwing everything you got at cryptocurrency. It's not worth it. Not now. I don't think ever, frankly. Be smart. Just be smart about it. Make sure that the priorities are in order. Make sure that you're taking care of your people. Take care of your family. If you have kids, etc. Take care of your people. To me, that's first foremost. Take care of your people. Keep a roof over your head. Keep food on the table, etc. Keep your bills paid. Now, with what I said there, although Bitcoin and Ethereum appear that like they're going to be struggling for the next year, the irony is that some of the other coins out there look like they may be en route to having some of their best performance possible, at least in a, in a span of time anyway. So Solana, for example, anybody remember Solana got as high as I want to say 300 something dollars. Solana, it's going to crap and it has crapped, has crapped significantly mostly because of what happened with FTX. Solana, though, has a long-term bullish sentiment. And you're wondering why, and I believe, and this is my opinion only, as we see what this turmoil is going to look like in the end of it, I think there's simply going to be a rush to coins other than Bitcoin. And you're wondering why, and I simply believe that the price is what's playing into factor. I believe that that's going to entice people to start looking and diversifying into other cryptos that are out there because of the psychological impact of holding one or more. So right now you can hold one Solana for $12.56, right? It's easy to hold one. Do you do that or do you hold 0.0001 of Bitcoin for that same? Psychological. I'm, I do believe that as crypto evolves, the Satoshi level calculations and less than one is, is causing some sentiment shift not saying it's the greatest majority of why people are skittish. I'm saying that I believe that's still playing the factor that some of these other coins, their price point is enticing to people and it bears to be somewhat of an opportunity to make profit as we saw with uh, Compound, as we saw with uh, AVAX at a point. Uh, I believe that people are going to be looking for those other cheaper opportunities when they see a bottom and more likely to go there to own more of it versus rushing to Bitcoin. I believe Bitcoin is a longer play. 
I don't believe that Bitcoin's going to stay down. I think it's going to be a longer play past 2024. With these other ones, I do think 2023, at some point, you're going to see bullish movement, especially like BNB, because it's hyper because it's deflationary. I think it's one of those. I do think you're going to see with some of these that there's a bullish sentiment where it's going to cause it to go up over time. I also think that some of these tokens that are spinning up as part of services, so think Trust Wallet token. Trust Wallet token never recently had a run-up. It didn't last long, but it had a little bit of a run-up. Atomic uh, Wallet's token had a little bit of a run-up. Those are kind of utility tokens in the sense that you get them either through actions in the wallet or you purchase them directly, rewards, and so they're kind of innate to the wallet you chose. Well, if you think about it, that's actually a brilliant strategy that I think Coinbase dropped the ball on, frankly. And that could create some bullish sentiment simply because they're, quote, safer. You're not dealing with the sketchiness. They're not hard to acquire. They're easy to interact with. Like, I think that's going to play into factor with some of the newer investors that come in for what little there are. <laughs> so I think that plays into factor. My point, my only point is to say I'm not poo-pooing cryptocurrency. Quite the contrary. I think we're going to be okay long-term. It's just going to take a very long time, more than we thought. I've mentioned as a, this is a new, this is a transition. I mentioned that I've been bullish about Cardano and couldn't frankly tell you why, but I've been bullish about Cardano. I still am bullish about Cardano. I can't tell you why, but I'm bullish about it. Cardano recently has launched its first USD, US dollar backed stablecoin on its chain. And so now IUSD, and so this is, this is, I think it's bullish news, but big picture, what it tells us is that we, there is an appetite for stable coins, but we also want to see that there's stable coins that are truly backed by U.S. dollar as opposed to the algorithmic, because the theory, at least, is that the U.S. dollar backed stable coins should, in theory, and I keep saying the word theory because I want to make sure you understand the importance of it, in theory, should help protect investors a little bit better than the ones that are algorithmic. Remember that Cardano's main coin, ADA, got as high as $3 and some odd. It's still way down. It's down to 30 some odd cents. So it's nowhere close to its top. And it's always been kind of that, I don't, I don't want to say diamond in the rough because that's not even fair, but it's always been kind of a quiet thing sitting off on the side. I'm still bullish on it. Can't tell you what's going to happen with it. I'm simply sharing the announcement about the U.S. dollar-backed stablecoin is the first of two. The other one's going to come from a different organization called USDA, which I frankly think is a stupid name <laughs> because, you know, what does it do with farming and food? But anyway, anything that talks about regular algorithmics, uh, I think, is going to have some issues. There's going to be a couple of those. They're over-collateralized, but I do think those are going to repeatedly have issues, and I wish we'd stop seeing them. I don't think we're ready for them. I'd like to see more that are stable in the sense that they are paired to the U.S. dollar, which will make the government happy. The long term, who knows? I'm just simply sharing that's a thing in case you're interested. You may or may not have been watching and seeing that Litecoin has been recently doing a bit of a run-up, has been maintaining green, even in light of what's going on. Now, Litecoin, if you didn't know, communicates over a couple different channels, one of them Lightning, a.k.a. Bitcoin. But Litecoin also is one of the few coins that you can still mine. And so that's, I believe, playing a little bit of factor because with the demise of the proof-of-work mining for Ethereum, miners, M-I-N-E-R-S, started leaping to different ways to 
generate profit. Now, you're not going to be made significantly wealthy off of Litecoin mining. I'm going to tell you that straight up. Um, mining is really not profitable these days, but I think that they're looking for any opportunity to try to fill the gaps left behind by Ethereum. I think that's playing in a factor. I also think that Litecoin itself, it's always been kind of one of those coins that's been out there successful, but at a distance, we've never seen it as a true breakout. However, it got as high, I want to say like two, 300 bucks at a point. So it's got opportunity. It's going up. It's right now about 70 bucks ish. So it's got an opportunity to do another run up and we'll have to see if people make a rush to Litecoin. Now Litecoin doesn't have anywhere near, it's not as ubiquitous as you might expect it to be given how long it's been around. It's almost like a better version of Doge. That's, that's how I perceive it. It doesn't really, I mean, it, it does payment processing. That's the thing, but I'm saying that overall, when you compare it against like Ethereum of the world, it doesn't really do much. But it's been very popular, and its popularity is seeming to shine through. So we'll see what happens with that long term. CoinMarketCap very recently updated its interface to display where it's available, proof of reserves, audits. Proof of reserve, I believe, is it's good intent, right? It sounds good, no problem with them trying something. I think the flaw of proof of reserves is simple. Just, just because you have reserves doesn't make it any more safe. And I know that sounds weird, but follow me here. Reserves by themselves, that's only one dimension. You've also got to have the intent of the people behind the project, right? Terra Luna Classic actually had decent reserves. It's just that the guy, Do Rugpull, aka Do Kwan, misused said reserves. So it didn't do him any good. With this FTX, they had reserves. It's just that they misused said reserves. So Yes, it's an enhancement for coin market cap, and I don't think much of coin market cap. I think they're crap, but they are currently the go-to for wallets to understand price and price movement. But I don't think that it's going to make a significant dent in whether something's credible or not. It all comes back to people. It all goes back to, at the end of the day, the people behind the project, if you can't trust them or they don't show up or whatever, if they're just if they're going to rip you off, they're going to rip you off. So it doesn't matter, in my opinion, whether or not you got reserves or not. This was all inspired by many of the lesser reserves and lesser organizations refusing to show proof of reserves, most notably Grayscale, who refused and it said security concerns. They're actually correct because the way that they're collecting this information is to kind of understand what's going on with different wallet addresses and different activities around the wallet addresses, which has the, the potential to expose information that should not normally be exposed. Remember what I said, we don't have decentralization. And if we're talking about privacy, I find it funny that there's this now battle. Do we want to stay private? Well, yeah, but then if you stay private, you can't see people's reserves. And we're asking investors to choose. Are you going to choose your privacy, which means you don't get to see proof of reserves, or you see proof of reserves, which means it's going to violate your privacy. You got to choose. So I find that very funny. Not because it's a bad thing, but because it exposes the gap in what we communicate to investors that we have this nirvana of privacy when we really don't. The bottom line is it's about the people. And I maintain, I was reading an article earlier about Telescam and they were saying, yeah, they go to Telescam because of privacy. Do, do, do. And it, the truth is they go to Telescam because these people are afraid. They're afraid of their government. I know there's some countries where they're a little bit more aggressive going after it, but the by and large is that Telescam is crap. I'm sorry. 
It's crap. It always has been crap. It always will be crap. It's a security nightmare. You can easily have your stuff breached if you put it on your device. I would never recommend loading Telescam on your mobile device. I don't have a cell phone myself. The tablet I do have, I would never put Telescam on it. The one time that I did have it loaded, it wasn't installed. I just run it in a container so it can't touch anything else. Like, I truly don't trust Telescam. And if you think I'm tinfoil, you are free to search, tele, in this case, Telegram, security issues. You're going to find all sorts of hits. It's a terrible application. And then, of course, what happened with Pulse Chain just made it worse in my eyes. But that's the whole illusion, the illusion of privacy, the illusion of, of security and safety because of Telescam being in the mix and it ostensibly being a secure application. But then over here, we're asking to do proof of reserves. And by the way, domains around Web3, the domain around Web3, you're violating essentially your privacy because you have to put some name against it. And that name is tracked directly to you because you, the only reason you would do it <laughs> is to distribute it. So that means they know what your, at least that address is. If people choose to do it, great. I'm saying that we don't have descend and we don't truly have privacy. You can't. I said it before. If your wallet has ever touched an exchange, the government knows how to find your assets. We don't have descend and we don't have privacy. And I've always said, I want people to recognize it. If we accept that, that we don't have a privacy, then proof of reserve is perfectly fine. As long as we don't go in it with the illusion that we're still keeping our privacy when we do that, because you're not. You're essentially giving it up and you're saying, yep, I don't need my privacy anymore. I would rather be kept safe, even though it doesn't really keep you safe. So in summary, I believe, and I firmly believe, we are in for a very rough, rough December. Not because of any direct fault. I mean, FTX, yeah, but I mean, overall, I think the big picture of why I, I feel that we're in a rough, going to be in a rough December, simply is because sentiment's an issue. There's been a lot of sell-off, for sure. The velocity is really scary. And big picture, the economy, the uh, inflation, the results of the election. There's all these different things that I think are playing factor together that I believe lend themselves to a bear winner and lend themselves to a bear sentiment even going through 2023. And that's unfortunate because we were en route to getting some recovery and then all sorts of crap happened. And frankly, we're going to get more. We're going to see more of these orgs shut down and they're going to have these detrimental impacts downstream over and over again. We even saw Tether briefly. It wasn't a lot, but briefly lose its peg. Like, I don't think people recognize how bad it really is. And I said it, said it before, don't let this get to you because that's the temptation. Don't let it get to you. A lot's going on. And if you're one where you might be susceptible to it, I would encourage you not to get in it and stay out for now because it's, it's going to get worse before it gets better. I do believe it'll get better eventually, but short term, it's going to be worse before it gets better. When I look at the volume numbers, the volume numbers are not terrible volume numbers, but they're certainly not what they could or should be by now, given everything that we had worked to get back after the damage of what happened before. But the volume numbers certainly aren't great. They're decent. They're not great. And unless we get decent, decently better <laughs> with our volume, I don't think we're in for very much uh, good news, at least not in the short term. And then my last is on Luna Classic. Luna Classic right now, from what I can tell, is en route to possibly going 10x down, as in it's going to be going even further down. Now, I'm 
anybody who got into Terra Luna Classic, for whatever reason that you did, whether you did for Terra Rebels or you did because I was talking about it or you did because you just saw something, anybody that's in Terra, Terra Classic, Terra Luna Classic, I'll tell you this straight. I see nothing but red in Terra Luna Classic's short-term and long-term future. I see that it's going to go drastically down. If I'm right and it goes drastically down, I'm talking to the point where we get another zero back and we're very close to it because right now we're at three zeros and one. And so we're very close to getting another zero back. If we get another zero back, it's going to drop like a rock, in my opinion. I don't see that it goes back to, you know, like four zeros and one, four zeros and one, which would truly be the 10 down for very long, but I do see that there's an opportunity for it to get that low. That's where I get the 10 down from. And some people out there will look at that as an opportunity. They're going to scoop it up because you got to think about it. If that happens, like let's say that right now with three zeros and one, let's say it goes down to four zeros and one. If it goes down to four zeros and one, that means that if it took like right now, you know, a thousand dollars, Let's say that's 7 million Luna Classic, right? If $1,000 is 7 million Luna Classic, uh, unless my math is twisted, if this thing goes down and gets another zero, goes down 10, 10 off, that means that same $1,000 could get you 70 million Luna Classic? Unless my math's off, well, think about it. <laughs> if that's true, and this is what I'm saying. This is this is kind of the weird thing with Little Classic. If that's true, and my math might be off, I'm not going to crunch it raw. I'm just going off what I think. If that's true and you could get 70 million for 1,000, right? That means you could get 100 million for what? $1,300, $1,400? Which means that if it gets back up, that means that somebody, if it was able to do the burns, like over time, we expect the burns are going to chip away. That means that somebody, if it gets up to a penny, is going to be very happy if they take that. But that's that's like the biggest gamble. This is why I call Terra Luna Classic the park place of the cryptopoly because it's like the biggest gamble you can think of of a project that's not, it's not a scam, but it's like the biggest freaking gamble you can think of that it could literally go to a penny. And I do think a penny is possible. You know, I even with the current supply, I think that's possible. It just would take forever. And then with the burns, whoever is willing to gamble that is they might very well make out like a bandit. Like we're talking huge amounts of cash. Then we have to just look at the long play of what happens, you know, with Terror Rebels drama and all that garbage, other projects that take away attention, and the fact that we're not enticing new money into cryptocurrency, plus all this negative sentiment. Like if we didn't have all that garbage in the way, if we didn't have the negative sentiment, if we didn't have all this turmoil, I do think that Luna Classic should be way higher than it is and should not be trending downward as I see it and certainly not to the degree I see it. And it's unfortunate, but again, somebody might be, somebody might make out like a bandit. I'll remind you though, certain projects were as low as a 20 cents, 40 cents, and went as high as a couple hundred dollars. So all things are possible. All I ever say is just be careful and be smart. And make sure not to YOLO in anything. Make sure it's throwaway money. If you're going to go into something, whatever your something is, make sure it's throwaway money. Make sure it's not money that is going to put you out. I don't want to hear people, certainly not the ones listening to me, talking about how they lost their life savings or any of that kind of stuff or they're suicidal. I don't want to hear that. I want to hear that 
you're just tossing a little bit of money into whatever project you believe in, whatever seems to make sense for you. And it's throwaway money. You don't care about it. If you lose it, you lose it, whatever. And I would even say now, try to wean yourself off of staring at graphs and get out, do things, do something else. I, right now, I'm playing Final Fantasy 13, or excuse me, Final Fantasy 12, or yeah, 12, which is crap, but I'm playing it because I never beat it. And I'm just going through it. I don't stare at graphs. I don't, there's no reason to, you know, it is what it is. Every now and then I might dump some more, buy some dip. Like if I see Luna Classic go lower, I'm going to buy some dip simply because I have a target and I haven't hit it yet. Great. But same thing for you is try to wean yourself off staring at the graph. If there's a project you believe in, set up your alerts. And if it goes beneath your threshold, what you set for yourself, then maybe you buy up dips, but try not to stare at the graphs. Try to do other things that don't involve a computer, that don't involve a tablet, that don't involve your phone. Do something to get you away from technology. And trust me, I think you'll feel better in the long run. But for those people that choose to ignore me, I celebrate you and respect you. But for those people who do take my advice and you get away from the technology, get out and do something different and force yourself, literally force yourself. If you do end up feeling better, make sure you just come back and give my credit. That's going to do it for today's episode of Crypto Talk Radio, found at CryptoTalkRadio.net. I want to thank you for listening here today. I know you have choices, whether you're a new listener or a subscriber. We appreciate each and every one of you. Check out our site, CryptoTalkRadio.net. We have a contact form, the link's at the very top. We'd love to hear from you and how we're doing and what you like or what you don't like. We read each and every one of those. Also, check out our triad. The triad is a community that we're working to build forward of strong, smart investors the ones that want to lead us into the next generation of cryptocurrency to evolve cryptocurrency into a more mature investment strategy for people, help people as they're growing and they get into this space. We don't want the ones that say the word Jeet and the ones that say the word Keck. We want the ones that treat this as a serious thing. Join us on our journey. Until next time, take care, be safe. Please don't YOLO into projects, any project. It doesn't matter what it is. Be smart with your investments. Make sure you always keep a roof over your head, food on your table. Your family comes first. Don't get stuck in this. Our goal is to try to help keep you safe, but we're only an informing source. There are a lot of sources out there, some of which are not really looking out for you. They're looking out for themselves. So always be careful with the advice that you take and what you do with that information is up to you, but just be smart about it is all we ask. See you next episode.